0: where, if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see a drop-down that contains the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning Monday through Friday from about 9 15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, and continuing our reading in section 3, Healing as Release from Fear. And at the top of the hour, we will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Lesson eighteen. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing, and that will be led by Fran again today. Thank you, Fran, Let's See. Well, not forget. <laughs> One of the highlights of my day. Laurie, do you have another, uh, one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call?
1: Well, I do, LeMoyne. And uh, this one this one just thrills me um, with its potential. Uh, the poem is, once again, in the book, Susceptible to Light, poetry by Shaylin Harkin. And and it's called Name Drop Gods. Name Drop Gods. For years, I thought I had to name drop Hindu gods for my poetry to be valid. But I hadn't really met any yet. I thought I needed to read all the sacred scriptures, but they were all so dense and cumbersome. Uh, Perhaps if I listed a couple of yoga pose names... Yes, any kind of Sanskrit must be the key to making my words spiritual and enlightened. Be a bit more esoteric, Shalin, a bit harder to unravel. Maybe your poetry can be made into a necklace of tangled prayer beads. Your readers will want to extract God from your poetry for not being able to access it. Well, thank God all that changed and thank God it turns out all scripture, every spiritual encounter, every holy ordinance is repeating the same universal simplicity over and over and over. It's either saying, open your heart, or nothing at all. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And what a wonder that we can flip that with some miracle. Amen. Wow, Amen. that was great.
2: Thank you, Lori.
1: Oh, that sounded like remember. it was coming from you. It was you read that so well. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I identified. Yeah, I really did. Fred.
3: Thank you. Love it. Open your heart or nothing at all. (laughs) Love it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Lori. Okay. Um, Let me see here on my list this morning. I have with us in reading, I have uh, Fran, Lori, Diana, Robin Marie, Jessica, and Karen. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to either join the reading list or just say good morning?
3: Good morning, it's Donna, and I'll be listening. Thank you. Good
0: morning, Donna. Welcome.
3: Good morning, it's
4: Jude. I'll be listening. Thank you.
0: Welcome, Jude. anyone else? All right, while well, we go, I will begin, I'm going to back up a little bit from where we ended uh, to 59, we get the, get these, at least these next two paragraphs where it talks about essential things, so I'll begin with 59, and then we'll just roll through it, the end of, uh, This section in Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, Healing is Released from Fear. The value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed. In fact, if it is truly used, it will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver, not the giver. This means that a miracle, to attain its full efficacy, must be expressed in a language which the recipient can understand without fear. It does not follow by any means that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication not to impose regression in the improper sense upon it that's brand
1: you want me to read that one again and then do 60 yeah read that one again okay 59 the value of the atonement does not lie in the manner in which it is expressed In fact, if it is truly used, it will inevitably be expressed in whatever way is most helpful to the receiver, not the giver. This means that a miracle to attain its full efficacy must be expressed in a language which the recipient can understand without fear. It does not follow by any means that this is the highest level of communication of which he is capable. It does mean, however, that it is the highest level of communication of which he is capable now. The whole aim of the miracle is to raise the level of communication, not to impose regression in the improper sense upon it. 60. Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment, a belief that is very prevalent. This misperception arose from the underlying misbelief that harm can be limited to the body. This was because of the much greater fear that the mind can hurt itself. Neither error is really meaningful because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error.
0: Thank you, Bran And Laurie.
1: Before miracle workers are ready to undertake their function in this world, it is essential that they fully understand the fear of release. Otherwise, they may unwittingly foster the belief that release is imprisonment. The belief is very prevalent. This misperception arose from the underlying misbelief that harm can be limited to the body. This was because of the much greater fear <laughs> that the mind can hurt itself. Neither error is really meaningful because the miscreations of the mind do not really exist. This recognition is a far better protective device than any form of level confusion because it introduces correction at the level of the error. 61. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create. Implicit in this is the corollary that correction belongs at the thought level. To repeat an earlier statement and extend it somewhat, the soul is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. The body does not really exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it was created, but it is not creating. It should be obvious then that correcting the creator Inducing it to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability which is truly meaningful.
0: Thank you, Lori and Diana.
3: 61. It is essential to remember that only the mind can create. Implicit in this is a corollary that. Correction belongs at the thought level. To repeat an earlier statement and to extend it somewhat, the soul is already perfect and therefore does not require correction. The body does not really exist except as a learning device for the mind. This learning device is not subject to errors of its own because it was created but is not creating. It should be obvious then that correcting the creator or introducing it to give up its miscreations is the only application of creative ability which is truly meaningful. Magic is essentially mindless or the miscreative use of the mind. Physical medications are forms of spells. Those who are afraid to use the mind to heal should not attempt to do so. Their very fact that they are afraid has made them vulnerable to miscreation. They are therefore likely to misunderstand any healing they might introduce, and because Egocentricity and fear usually occur together, may be unable to accept the real source of the healing. Under these conditions, it is safer for them to rely temporarily on physical healing devices because they cannot misperceive them as their own creations. As long as their sense of vulnerability persists, they should be preserved from even attempting miracles.
0: Thank you, Diana. And Robin Marie.
2: 52. Magic is essentially mindless or the miscreative use of the mind. Physical medications are forms of, quote, spells, unquote. Those who are afraid to use the mind to heal should not attempt to do so. The very fact that they are afraid has made them vulnerable to miscreation. They are therefore likely to misunderstand any healing they might induce and because egocentricity and fear usually occur together, may be unable to accept the real source of the healing. Under these conditions, it is safer for them to rely temporarily on physical healing devices because they cannot misperceive them as their own creations. As long as their sense of vulnerability persists, They should be preserved from even attempting miracles. 63. We have already said that the miracle is an expression of miracle-mindedness. Miracle-mindedness merely means right-mindedness in the sense that we are now using it. The right-minded neither exalt nor deprecate the mind Yes, that's not right. right-minded neither exalt nor depreciate the mind of the miracle worker or the miracle receiver. However, as a creative act, the miracle need not await the right-mindedness of the receiver. In fact, its purpose is to restore him to his right mind. It is essential, however, that the miracle worker be in his right mind, or he will be unable to reestablish right-mindedness in someone else.
0: Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica.
2: Thank you. Um, 63. We have already said that the miracle is an expression of miracle-mindedness. Miracle-mindedness merely means right-mindedness in the sense that we are now using it. The right-minded neither exalts nor depreciates the mind of the miracle worker or the miracle receiver. However, as a creative act, the miracle need not await the right-mindedness of the receiver. In fact, its purpose is to restore him to his right mind. It is essential, however, that the miracle worker be in his right mind, or he will be unable to reestablish right-mindedness in someone else. The healer who relies on his own readiness is endangering his understanding. He is perfectly safe as long as he is completely unconcerned about his readiness, but maintains a consistent trust in mine. If your miracle-working propensities are not functioning properly, it is always because fear has intruded on your right-mindedness and has literally upset it or turned it upside down. All forms of not right-mindedness are the result of refusal to accept the atonement for yourself. If the miracle worker does accept it, he places himself in a position to recognize that those who need to be healed are simply those who have not realized that right-mindedness is healing.
0: Thank you, Jessica and
2: Karen. 64. A healer who relies on his own readiness is endangering his understanding. He is perfectly safe as long as he is completely unconcerned about his readiness but maintains a consistent trust in mind. If your miracle working propensities are not functioning properly, It is always because fear has intruded on your right-mindedness and has literally upset it or turned it upside down. All forms of not right-mindedness are the result of refusal to accept the atonement for yourself. If the miracle worker does accept it, he places himself in a position to recognize that those who need to be healed are simply those who have not realized that right-mindedness is healing. 65. The sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. This means that he recognizes that mind is the only creative level and that its errors are healed by the atonement. Once he accepts this, his mind can only heal. By denying his mind any destructive potential and reinstating its purely constructive powers, he has placed himself in a position where he can undo the level confusion of others. The message he then gives to others is the truth that their minds are similarly constructive and their miscreations are Cannot hurt them. By affirming this, the miracle worker releases the mind from overvaluating its own learning device, the body, and restores the mind to its true position as the learner.
0: Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for 65 and 66? New reader for 65 and 66? Okay, back to you, friend.
1: 65. The sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. This means that he recognizes that mind is the only creative level and that its errors are healed by the atonement. Once he accepts this, his mind can only heal. By denying his mind any destructive potential and reinstating its purely constructive powers, he has placed himself in a position where he can undo the level confusion of others. The message he then gives to others is the truth that their minds are similarly constructed and that their miscreations cannot hurt them. By affirming this, the miracle worker releases the mind from over-evaluating its own learning device, the body, and restores the mind to its true position as the learner. 66. It should be emphasized again that the body does not learn any more than it creates. As a learning device It merely follows the learner, but if it is falsely endowed with self-initiative, it becomes a serious obstruction to the very learning it should facilitate. Only the mind is capable of illumination. The soul is already illuminated, and the body in itself is too dense. The mind, however, can bring its illumination to the body by recognizing that density is the opposite of intelligence And therefore, unamenable to independent learning. It is, however, easily brought into alignment with a mind which has learned to look beyond density toward light.
0: Thank you, Brian and Lori.
1: 66. It should be emphasized again that the body does not learn any more than it creates. As a learning device, it merely follows the learner. But if it is falsely endowed with self initiative, it becomes a serious obstruction to the very learning it should facilitate. Only the mind is capable of illumination. The soul is already illuminated, and the body itself is too dense. The mind, however, can bring its illumination to the body by recognizing that density is the opposite of intelligence and therefore unamenable to independent learning. It is, however, easily brought into alignment with the mind which has learned to look beyond density toward the light. 67. Corrective learning always begins with the awakening of the spiritual eye and the turning away from the belief in physical sight. The reason, this is, the reason this so often entails fear is because man is afraid of what his spiritual eye will see. Oh, boy I'm glad I'm reading this. We said before that the spiritual eye cannot see error and is capable only of looking beyond it to the defense of atonement. There is no doubt that the spiritual eye does produce extreme discomfort by what it sees, yet what man forgets is that the discomfort is not the final outcome of its perception. When the spiritual eye is permitted to look upon the defilement of the the altar, it also looks immediately toward the atonement.
0: Thank you, Lori. And Diana.
3: Number 67. Corrective learning always begins with the awakening of the spiritual eye and the turning away from the belief in physical sight. The reason this is so often entails fear is because man is afraid of what his spiritual eye will see. We said before that the spiritual eye cannot see error and is capable only of looking beyond it to the defense of atonement. There is no doubt that the spiritual eye does produce extreme discomfort by what it sees. Yet what man forgets is that the discomfort is not the final outcome of its perception. When the spiritual eye is permitted to look upon the defilement of the altar, it also looks immediately towards the atonement. 68, nothing the spiritual eye perceives can introduce fear. Everything that results from an accurate spiritual awakening is merely channelized towards correction Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction forcibly into awareness. What the physical eye sees is not corrective, nor can it be corrected by any device which can be seen physically. As long as man believes in what his physical sight tells him, all his correction behavior will be misdirected. The real vision is obscured because man cannot endure to see his own defiled altar. But since the altar has been defiled, his state becomes doubly dangerous until it is perceived. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Diana and Robin Marie.
2: Sixty-eight, nothing the spiritual eye perceives can induce fear. Everything that results from accurate spiritual awareness is merely channelized toward correction. Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction forcibly into awareness. What the physical eye sees is not corrective nor can it be corrected by any device which can be seen physically. As long as a man believes in what his physical sight tells him, all his corrective behavior will be misdirected. The real vision is obscured, because man cannot endure to see his own defiled altar. But since the altar has been defiled, his state becomes doubly dangerous. ...unless it is perceived. 69, the fear of healing arises in the end from an unwillingness to accept the unequivocal fact that healing is necessary. Man is not willing to look on what he has done to himself. Healing is an ability lent to man after the separation, before which it was completely unnecessary... Like all aspects of the space-time belief, healing ability is temporary. However, as long as time persists, healing is needed as a means for human protection. This is because healing rests on charity, and charity is a way of perceiving the perfection of another, even if he cannot perceive it himself.
0: Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica.
2: Thanks. 69. The fear of healing arises in the end from an unwillingness to accept the unequivocal fact that healing is necessary. Man is not willing to look on what he has done to himself. Healing is an ability lent to man after the separation before which it was completely unnecessary. Like all aspects of the space-time belief, healing ability is temporary. However, as long as time persists, healing is needed as a means for human protection. This is because healing rests on charity, and charity is a way of perceiving the perfection of another, even if he cannot perceive it himself. Most of the loftier concepts of which man is capable now are time, wait most of the loftier concepts of which man is capable now are time dependent charity is really a weaker reflection of a much more powerful love encompassment which is far beyond any form of charity that man can conceive of as yet Charity is essential to right-mindedness in the limited sense in which right-mindedness can now be attained. Charity is a way of looking at another as if he had already gone far beyond his actual accomplishments in time. Since his own thinking is faulty, he cannot see the atonement for himself. Or he would have no need for charity. The charity which is accorded him is both an acknowledgement that he is weak and a recognition that he could be stronger.
0: Thank you, Jessica and Karen.
2: 70. Most of the loftier concepts of which man is capable now are time dependent. Charity is really a weaker reflection of a much more powerful love encompassment which is far beyond any form of charity that man can conceive of as yet. Charity is essential to right mindedness in the limited sense in which right mindedness can now be attained. Charity is a way of looking at another as if he had already gone far beyond his actual accomplishments in time. Since his own thinking is faulty, he cannot see the atonement for himself, or he would have no need for charity. The charity which is accorded him is both an acknowledgment that he is weak and a recognition that he could be stronger. 71, the way in which both of these perceptions are stated clearly implies their dependence on time, making it quite apparent that charity lies within the human limitations, though toward its higher levels. We said before that only revelation transcends time. The miracle as an expression of true human charity can only shorten time at most. It must be understood, however, that whenever a man offers a miracle to another, he is shortening the suffering of both. This introduces a correction into the whole record which corrects retroactively as well as progressively.
0: Thank you, Karen, and is there a new reader who would like to conclude with 71? New reader? Okay, Um, back to you, Fran.
2: 71. The way
1: in which both of these perceptions are stated clearly implies their dependence on time making it quite apparent that charity lies within the human limitations, though toward its higher levels. We said before that only revelation transcends time. The miracle, as an expression of true human charity, can only shorten time at most. It must be understood, however, that whenever a man offers a miracle to another, he is shortening the suffering of both. This introduces a correction into the whole record, which corrects retroactively as well as progressively.
0: Well, thank you, Fran. And uh, yeah, we have a just a few <clears throat> a few minutes before the top of the hour. If anyone? That's anything they'd like to share before the list.
3: Hi, this is Diana. The one sentence that I really resonated with was the very end, um, page 30, number 70, when it said, charity is a way of looking at another as if he had already gone far beyond his actual accomplishments in time. I know for me, whenever I come across anybody in my day, it doesn't matter who or how they show up, um, to go to the namaste, dropping down to what is like in both of us, and I see peace, and I see acceptance, and I see love. And so that sentence really resonated with me, and it was probably my favorite sentence on complete.
1: Oh, it's beautiful, Diana. That makes you a miracle worker. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good point. Thanks for pointing that out. Thank you.
0: Yeah, great. That's like an emphasis on what is the same rather than different. It's interesting. This discussion of charity has nothing to do with giving anyone any particular thing (laughs) made me think of Tony Robbins actually (laughs) anyway I'm complete
2: yeah I really love that too you know true charity is seeing your brother as holy really what a beautiful gift that is I love it thanks someone Um, thanks, Lemoyne. Did you say it reminded you of Tony Robbins, or did I hear that incorrectly? No,
0: that's that's correct. That's what I said. Yeah.
2: What, what did Tony Robbins say that especially that this reminded you of? Well,
0: he's always uh, he's always challenging people to go beyond their self-limitation, free
1: themselves yeah.
0: from from that, and so he looks at other people, and, you know, he's met, he sees the limitations, maybe pretty clearly, but I think that he sees it that way because he sees the light within, which, you know, throws the shadows of the darkness itself. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> he's always challenging people to not overcome the world or anything, but just their own self, image. Yeah. Great. Self image. Anyway, I'm complete.
2: Yeah, I did an online seminar with him and another guy um, a few years ago. Um,
3: we had a lot of good concepts. Thank you. I'm complete. And thank you, Ada.
1: I know we're at the top of the hour. Um. But, going into this lesson, I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my scene. I was meditating on it this morning along with the reading, and came up to paragraph uh, sixty seven in the reading where it talks about defilement of the altar and Of course, I asked for for clarification of that, and spirit immediately brought to my mind an episode back in the nineties where um had a job I really loved and a co-worker a new co-worker um, who started to compete for my job and wound up taking my job and uh, and I thought you know that was that was really a situation that I could have really got disturbed about but um, as I recalled the situation to mind yeah, I remember that Spirit gave me this because he wanted me to recognize that if, if a brother is self-condemning, and I agree with that brother's definition of himself, neither one of us will receive the blessing of a miracle. But if a brother is self-condemning and because uh, he believes in his own assessment of himself as being uh, very very bad he believes in his own defilement of his altar. that's not to say he's bad but he believes he is and he's plagued by shame that brother will act very badly charity in this case is when I recognize that the bad behavior has nothing to do with me and this brother is in fact loving and lovable and uh, and a delight and uh, and the reason I bring it up before we go into the lesson is because because I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my scene if I have poor scene of myself I'll project my poor scene in all forms of bad behavior and if other people agree with me they'll reinforce that belief about me if on the other hand I have a correct belief in my altar, the altar to God, the truth in everybody. Um, that will also transmit itself because I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my scene. As for the fellow who um, who took my job, he was healed as a consequence of of my overlooking all the bad beliefs he had about himself. Gee whiz, that just blessed the heck out of me. So I'm complete. Wow, that was so good. Thank you so much, Laurie. That's great, Laurie. Yeah,
0: thanks, Laurie. And, uh... Yeah, it's a time when, uh... We touch in with the lesson, so I ask that you give your attention to Fran as she leads us in the lessons for the day, lesson 18. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing.
1: Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today is lesson 18. I am not alone experiencing the effects of my seeing. So I shall read the lesson, and then we'll do our practice on the lesson. Okay, lesson 18. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. The idea for today is another step in learning that the thoughts which give rise to what you see are never neutral or unimportant. It also emphasizes the idea that minds are joined Which will be given increasing stress later today's idea does not refer to what you see as much as to how you see it therefore the exercises for today will emphasize this aspect of your perception the three or four practice periods which are recommended should be done as follows selecting subjects for the application of the idea randomly Look at each one long enough to say, I am not alone in experiencing the effects of how I see blank. Conclude conclude the practice period by repeating the more general statement. I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. A minute or so, or even less, will be sufficient. We'll do our practice. I am not alone in experiencing the facts of my seeing.
2: Now uh, now I shall read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 18. I am not alone in experiencing the
1: effects of my seeing. If I have no private thoughts, I cannot see a private world. Even the mad idea of separation had to be shared before it would form the basis of the world I see. Yet that sharing was a sharing of nothing. I can also call upon my real thoughts, which share everything with everybody. As my thoughts of separation call to the separation thoughts of others, so my real thoughts awaken the real thoughts in them. and the world, my real thoughts show me will dawn on their sight as well as mine. Referee 18, I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. Amen. Thank you, Fran. so glad you included that review paragraph.
3: Thank you, Fran. I know. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you Fran.
2: Fran. Good morning. It's Karen. Um, just very... The lesson is telling us that we have a choice. We can amplify the world of darkness, the destructive forces in this world, the falsehood by sharing the mind with, excuse me, sharing our perception of the world with the the falsehood, the ones that are sleeping. Or we can stand together as oneself, no private worlds, One world, one truth. There's only truth. Truth is love. Truth is peace. Truth is um, the charity of seeing our brothers as a child of God and looking past what they're doing, looking past the illusions of the ego that the body's eyes are reporting on. Um... To stand with the truth, to be the messengers of light, to hold the light upon the earth, upon this world, for the healing and upliftment of every living being, not just the people, our special people, but every living being, even the people that are doing the most egregious things. So last night I was in meditation and I was just thinking, I was sending out love to Putin, Netanyahu, Donald Trump. And I was just saying you are a child of God and you are one with the Christ self. And everything else is falsehood. And we we stand together in love for your healing, for all healing. That's all I have. I'm complete. Oh, that's powerful, Karen
1: very very powerful thank you yeah thank you Karen
3: i think the task diana high in political uh time thank you Karen is to stand in the belief and don't let it waver that they're not holy i know when i turn on the news which i can't turn on anymore because it 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 does create a a unkind energy in my body that i'd rather not see but i can't bury my head in the sand either i have to know to not engage with more energy of the dislike to which creates more of that to changing the flow and neutralizing it, to, okay, I'm, I'm going to shine love on this. Why? Because maybe, possibly, it could vibrate on some level, some little inkling, little spark of light in the soul that connects us with them to see this differently. And miracles are possible. All things can... You know, if we're joined together in love uh, and not fear. Can change. People change. Why not them? Why not them? So um, our test is to see them differently and stay there. i
1: Thank you, Diana. Yeah, thank you. That was good. Thank you.
2: Thank
1: you, Diana and Karen. Oh, Safari again. And um, uh, and and, and, uh, the other thing and I'm gonna see if I can connect the dots um, the other thing uh, I was um, gifted with this morning was the phrase and sometimes it's like that for me sometimes I sometimes I get a word and I have to uh, figure out why or where does that word uh, fit you know and I like that I like I like it like that but anyway uh, I was given the phrase this morning, accessible, free, and abundant, and um, and I was grateful for that phrase, too, because, because when we're talking about miracle working, um, there's a part of the mind that says, okay, where? Where do I work the miracle? What's awry? Where is it needed? Um where do i pl- apply uh, what i know about miracle working what is right mind and and how does my right mind um how do i use right mindedness to affect healing in a way that blesses me and, and the situation or whatever it is and there's a tendency to to look for error okay where's where's the error to to what does the miracle apply you know and 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 I get a little set up about that, and the setup being um, go look for something wrong <laughs> you know where uh, where does the miracle fit what's what 's gone wrong where's the mistake and and i'm noticing that this morning because of love being accessible free and abundant um that phrase tells me um the opposite of going to look for where's the error number one number two um i'm thinking it fits and and i've wanted to understand this uh, before but um i think it's pretty important to the discussion of paragraph 68 where he says, nothing, the spiritual eye, let's say Holy Spirit, nothing that holiness perceives can induce fear. Nothing that's seen truly can induce fear. Okay? Everything that results from accurate spiritual awareness is merely channelized toward correction, not by me. Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction forcibly into awareness that's not my business what the physical eye sees is not corrective nor can it be corrected by any device which can be seen physically as long as a man believes in what his physical sight tells him that's i'm thinking oh here's the error to which the miracle applies as long as i believe in that all my corrective behavior will be misdirected you see the real vision is obscure because man cannot endure to see his own defiled altar this is the one altar we all share you see holiness is an attribute in the Son of God it can't be changed it's eternal it's free abundant and whole and that's the truth but if I'm <laughs> I'm saying, oh well, here's a place where a miracle applies, what have I really done with my mind? But uh, seeing error, and once seen, um, once seen, uh, I'm in a precarious position. And that's what he wants me to know about paragraph 68. That efforting, efforting is not part of miracle working. Efforting is not part of correcting my own mind. Efforting is not part of, um, not part of healing the sunship. And so he goes on to say, um, if I feel like I'm efforting, I've put myself in a double bind because I've seen the mistake and now I think it's up to me to correct it. And so he goes on and, and says, um not in that paragraph well point out to me where's the paragraph where he says you start believing in your own abilities um, you're going to be in trouble but you need to maintain a consistent ability in mind there it is in paragraph 64 the healer must maintain absolutely no concern about his readiness like okay are you ready to send me out to be a miracle worker I'm never gonna be ready if it's up to me I'll never be a miracle worker Um, and and some of this is you know I remember thinking okay I want I want to get beyond healing to creating what does that mean and and I was in a hurry um, you know to You know that feeling you're in a hurry for enlightenment you you reach for it you want it there's something you know it uh, but what is it and it depends on my effort that feeling and if I take that feeling into into my lessons I'm a little I'm a little bit awry because uh, it feels as if there's something I'm supposed to be doing or efforting for, or reaching toward. Um, And so it took me a long time to realize that um, the impersonal nature of miracles is uh, the absolute Christ-guidedness of them. I wind up being in a place, at a time, in a situation, whatever it is, and by just holding the light, you know, and I think that's what he's talking about when he says, "You know, bodies is too dense and and ideas are um, ideas are strong. If I hold the truth, the truth will always prevail. in the, in the manual for teachers, he says, um, he starts right off with uh, the importance of trust. Who am I trusting to work miracles?" Why, Holy Spirit? You know, who am, I, who am I trusting? What am I trusting? I'm trusting love. I'm trusting source. I'm trusting God. It's not a power of me. It's a power in me. And so I'll, I'll finish with this. Uh, I've talked too much. Um, if, I, if I hold the light, I see with the light if I hold to my own power, I will more than likely seem mistaken because I'll think something's right, and it's up to me to fix it um, but it it doesn't work like that for me anyway. It's a matter of um have accepted atonement for myself I've also accepted it from my brother If there's nothing wrong here um things might look really messed up, but There's a power in control of all of it. And regardless of how it looks, if I'm in this situation, I have one job, to hold to the light and let the light correct everything. And I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. That was good. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lori.
2: Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Uh, Thank you. This is Robin Marie. I just got a text from my son, Jonathan, whose partner's uh, half-sister's good friend just OD'd and and her half-sister and died. And her half-sister just OD'd. Her name is... Ashlyn, and she um, is now trying to recover. So Jonathan's partners, uh, two half-sisters, are both addicts. So um, I'm asking that you would hold Kylie and Ashlyn in the light and that they would come through this. And they are, I think they're like 17 and 18, very young. So thanks um, for doing that. We have some gorgeous sky out here in Mendocino, Fort Bragg area with an amazing sunrise, which I don't know what I'd do without this ocean and the sunrise at times, but you guys are looks like a sunrise to me. Thank you.
1: Oh, you too, Robin Marie, and wish your will.
2: Yes,
3: absolutely. Thank you. Robin Marie, um, there is a, a um, silent unity. One eight hundred, pray now, is a prayer line that it's twenty four seven. For thirty days, they will pray with you and for you, and it's private and it's for whatever you want. So I okay, would, I would 100. give them. That's pray great. Now Sit. one, one. One 7729 Powerful, powerful, powerful prayer line.
2: Okay, let me let me just repeat it to you. One
3: 7729 That's it.
2: That's it. Okay, thank you so Silent much. Silent
3: unity. I'll,
2: sure. Oh, pull mm-hmm. that
5: in. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Diana.
3: Thank you.
4: Thank you. Um, thanks, Lori. You you covered quite a bit of what I was uh, what was jumping up the page for me. Um, the lesson today. Thank you, Fran. It's always so good of you to do it to lead us in that daily lesson. I am not alone in experiencing what I see. Um, and the two paragraphs, I'm looking through a different book this morning, but the the one paragraph starts with corrective learning, always begins with the awakening of the spiritual eye, turning away from belief in physical sight. And um, the second paragraph talks about what the physical eye sees is not corrective, nor can it be proper properly corrected by any device which can be physically seen, which speaks to me of, you know, the problems that we've made in the world versus God creating us, um, the difference between making and creating, um, are really singing, singing to me in this, this reading today that um, as long as we believe in what our physical sight tells us, all our corrective behavior will be misdirected. Um, you know, this lesson, I, I am not alone in experiencing what I see immediately because I practice these lessons. I know that I cannot see through my body's eyes alone in solitary and understand anything whatsoever because perception is inherently judgmental. It comes from Jude's personal point of view. And that I have to call upon Christ's consciousness within me in order to use the eyes of vision or the eyes of for- loving forgiveness, of non-judgment, no judgment. I know not what I see. I don't know what I'm seeing because if I think I'm, 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 I'm looking at it alone, I can't understand anything. So, you know, this morning when I did this lesson, I, I've done it like three, three four times already. <laughs> and how it started out was wonderful because it started out with the understanding that seeing through, those, through vision was a peaceful, loving experience. And then, you know, coming to the reading, oh, and then I did my dishes in between the conference. Lesson call this morning and the, um, our call, this call, I did my dishes. So then I was thinking about the lesson and I thought, I am not alone in experiencing what I see. And I was thinking about everything that has eyes the birds and the squirrels and all the people, my neighbors that I see, the people driving by in their cars that they're seeing everything that I'm seeing in my neighborhood. <laughs> which was just the funnest. Um, It was like the most awe and wonderful and expansive kind of idea that seeing was a shared kind of experience. I'm not alone in seeing um, or experiencing seeing. Um, So I took it out of the personal in particular and, and expanded it out a little bit. But then coming to the text, and re- recognizing how, when I did the lesson this morning, that um, when we, you know, and I watched, um, I watched a movie about war last night, which I love historical documentaries, and I, I do this in practicing the principles that the Course has taught me. How to, how to discern what I'm seeing through the eyes of Christ and judge it for me and let me see the truth and not to see what my body's eyes are seeing. So this, um, this discomfort that I used to, to get when I used to watch, you know, people or animals or anything suffering, the hurt and the pain that I felt such empathy for and horror at, the cruelty and the insanity that used to terrorize me, and it speaks of this the fear of healing and the fear of release. And I've been thinking about that, that, that I have to look I have to look with vision and through the eyes of Christ, in order to be freed of this fear, this is how the atonement works for me, that the spiritual eye is permitted to look on what I have done to myself because everyone that i see that has committed anything hateful or hurtful or cruel or stupid or foolish unconsciously because they they don't know what they're doing i'm capable of doing and 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 have done some hurtful and hateful things too that they all are myself and that the fear of looking at it is what keeps us from from looking at it and um But we need that willingness to look at what we've done to ourselves in order to heal it. So this fear of release and the fear of healing, which it speaks of in the text, is um, the the refusal to, to accept the atonement for myself. I'm like, why wouldn't I accept the atonement for myself? Why am I afraid to accept perfect love, that I'm worthy of perfect love, that everyone is worthy of perfect love? And it's It's this fear of release. I'm afraid to look on how we've defiled our altar. That's what the text is explaining to me today, anyways, that um, everything that results from actual spiritual awareness of it, shining the light on the darkness is the way that I I put it, that through the self-illumination of Christ consciousness in me shines the light on it, and it's channelized automatically automatically towards the correction of it discomfort and the fear are aroused only to bring the need to correct forcibly into awareness now if I can't look on this ugliness and this hatefulness and this cruelty I'm never going to be a miracle worker this is where the rubber meets the road and um, you know it's just it really it really takes takes some honesty and in, in, uh, in acknowledging my, the, the irritation that is the same as a murderous rage, that all thoughts are equal, that no human thought is bigger or smaller, that all thoughts are equally important, that a little irritation is the same as a murderous rage, and that any kind of irritation or anger or, or, or rejecting someone, withholding love from someone, is being in separation, choosing to be separate from them. And um, so uniformly, evenly, the way God looks at everything, um, everything is equal and evenly given God by God himself. And I think that keeps it simple for me. I don't have to judge anything. Everything is equal, equal, equal in my eyes and um, equally deserving of honor and appreciation and love and respect and keep it simple thank you so much for listening um, and being giving me a place to share my thoughts out loud about this it's very important to me I am complete thank you Jill. thank you
1: that was beautiful mm. yeah it was
4: my my mind gets flooded with all these psycho um terms about denial repression and um the whole list we just went through in this week and how we should use them as affirmations of the truth in order not to regress into a a more primitive um instinctual aggressive kind of spi- um form of spirit we've come too far to look back now. Um, This really, I'm I'm really getting into studying the first three paragraphs again. As the course instructs, this really um, bears um, important, careful studying in order to go on with the, the text and the lessons. Thank you. I'm complete.
1: Yeah, it sure does. Thanks, Jude.
4: I wanted to t- thank you, Lori, for the capital word. <laughs> I like the word. <laughs> oh, give me a word, Lord, just one word. Uh, the word is God. <laughs> um, my neighbor had a bumper sticker that said w- the word on it with a capital W. <laughs> thank you.
1: Yeah, Thanks. You know, it's that is actually a real gift, um, and and the gift the gift of it is um, is all in paragraph sixty five to me, um, and and um, and it bears a really close read because it ends that paragraph ends with this restores the mind to its true position as learner the lion's true position is learner and um, that's a really big 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 statement Um, I used to think that it's my job to understand so that I can effort and know and share but now it's a lot more simple than that. To me, it's my job, the, the the task of my mind is to be a learner. And that's just pure receptivity. And um, these five lessons um, that we're doing right now, it, it makes sense as a group of five, you know. I have no neutral thoughts. I see no neutral things. I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. I'm not alone in experiencing the effects of my thoughts. And I am determined to see. All of these five lessons make sense in the light of my mind as a learner. Um, When I was in charge of my own thoughts and I directed my own self, and I efforted and did my best, and and all the things that you associate with trying to accomplish something, um, I I was, <laughs> here's the phrase that means so much, out of touch, okay? I was out of touch with reality, as, as, um, As it is projected from the mind of God how do I get back in touch with reality as it's projected from the mind of God when I think I'm an autonomous being in charge of what I see and what I think (laughs) and when I start paying attention to that (coughs) I realize he's absolutely right. Uh, if I use my mind, myself, to serve my ego, I'm going to um, see a lot of strange things and act in a lot of strange ways and believe strange thoughts. And I'm going to uh, see the effects of all that strangeness in the consensual reality that we're conditioned to believe in. All of its consequences. Because I think my mind's in charge <laughs> and wants to be accomplished and wants to be a someone, but these five lessons are putting me in a position where my mind can be a learner. What am I learning what what am I to learn i'm I'm learning to see and think like god sees that's 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 what this is about the whole affair is to See and think like God thinks, and um, in order to do that, I have to to recognize the only right position for me to be in in this mind of mine is in the position of receiver. My mind's a learner, and then lessons like um, all things are a lesson God will have me learn. Or all things are echoes of the voice for God. I can't hear the voice for God if I'm listening to my own thoughts or asking my own questions or um, projecting my own business onto the world. But the correct position of my mind is a learner, even as regards my own self, you know? Um, My dear, my dear Kathy, recently retired, about two years now, and I see her struggle. Um, you know, and she's got this deep sadness about her because she's not doing the thing she loves anymore, and she doesn't know, she doesn't know where to put her thoughts, and um, and she's thinking, she's, you know. He says there's no private thoughts, and it's really true. there are no private thoughts. It, you know you can you can see the effects of people's thoughts on their, on their life. you know and, and Mind as learner, this is what I want to say. Mind as learner will even tell me how to pray. You know, I don't know how to do that. But if if mind is learner, will even tell me what to ask for, then all I need to do is listen for that. You know, I think I need to ask for this. Or I think I need to ask for this for Kathy. Or I think I need to ask for this for someone else. I don't even know that. One time, one time, this is... You're think it's weird but I, I was instructed to pray for a really bizarre thing and so I did and um, and come to find out I was later able to share that bizarre thing with someone else who had an identical experience you know so I don't even know what to ask for but when my mind is in a position to receive then, um then I get uh, something kind of wonderful going on and I think that's what he means about seeing from the light when he talks about light in paragraph 66 you know I don't know anything I don't know anything now I can learn and uh, I really feel strongly about that today I'm complete thank you Lord,
3: for that Thank you, Lori. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I have
4: uh, added Happy Learner to uh, the 27 times you said Learner. Happy Learner, Happy Learner, Happy Learner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: It's one of my favorite uh, um, I uh, Thank you. This is Diana. I had number 65 on page 29. Also, underlined, I think it's very, very important um, lesson here, this whole paragraph explains the way out. I think, you know, the, the first statement, the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. This means that he recognizes that the mind is the only creative level that this error are healed by the atonement. The ego is in judgment, and the creative mind is in God. In his creative mind, he made us. And he also gave us the creative mind equal to him to be to to extend the right mind, to see beyond uh, ourselves, to see beyond in our errors, which is where atonement comes in if we accept it for ourselves you know, and in others who can't see themselves in their, their in their right mind when it comes to the Christ self. But that's where we come in. That's where we could step in and do the work. Seeing them beyond themselves extends that creative mind, which is what God is calling us to do. I think this chapter 65 is very important and... For me, I'm, I need to just meditate on that today, along with the lesson. i complete.
1: Oh, that's good stuff, Diana. Thank you.
3: This is Donna, speaking about the word learning. Today, literally, for the first time in my life, I have learned something. <laughs> I have. Yay. She, <laughs>, That's
4: awesome.
3: she mm-hmm. laughs. And this, <laughs> is <what I> learned. <laughs> this is what I learned today. There's a word, uh, correlate. For the first time in my life, I've correlated spiritual teaching. I've correlated, this uh, got started by, I think it's Diane mentioned paragraph 70, and then uh, spoke on it, and I, I, so then I, that let me know, oh, this is what I'm living, and, and so, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to read what, I got three things, that I write, you know me, I got, I'm going to say something, <clears throat> but, my entire life, when I looked back at my entire life, probably only about 15 years ago, maybe not that long, I said, oh my God, I have been an empty tumbleweed rolling through the desert, and how was I moved? What was the wind that moved me from one place to the other? And it was my fear, and God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, used my fear to move me from one situation to another situation. They didn't seem very nice when I was going through the movement because I was usually either upset, or getting fired, or needing, needing a job or something. But I didn't, I didn't, and this is John 530, which I finally learned to live, of my own self, I can do nothing. So what I didn't know at the time was because I was so helpless, terrified, God had no choice but have the Holy Spirit move me through my entire life with fear. I did not really lose the fear completely that it manifested until I got the lymphoma and they told me I'd be dead, and obviously I'm not. So I overcame fear during that uh, cancer uh, period of time. So when I say I learned something today, I really learned it. And I'm just going to write how, I, how it came to me. Because the first thing I learned was, oh, the lesson we've read today is working perfectly with this eight, lesson 18. And then I couldn't figure out yesterday where, where Fran was reading from. And then I picked up today, oh, right, the review. So when I went over to look at the 18 review, I said, oh, my God, I understand this. I mean, I understand this humanly. I usually always get things spiritually but you know there's still a wave of confusion between because you don't really have it humanly but I got it humanly today so I've got three points and I'm just going to read them because they're kind of different so at first was that paragraph 70 it drew attention to how I see I can and I consider myself a on perpetual assignment my stance is to be aware I am Holy Spirit's vehicle so I'm attuned with anticipating with joy when I see Christ as myself and other peace is witness with a hello or smile or short sharing at a counter its gift lets oneness be And indeed, I receive, as the Holy Spirit Spirit extends, our oneness, that sense of oneness, and I walk out in bliss. Two, I also learned my altar is defiled by taking offenses personally or judging others and myself by the facade we are in this dream. So I'm working to stop thinking that way. And three, I've come to understand we bury the things that need to be healed. As Holy Spirit begins to bring them up, I personally think that I will be punished or ashamed, and thus I fear the wrath of God instead of love. Now I just had one of those meltdowns, and 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 I gave a testimony at the Christian Science Church just a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I couldn't describe to them what was happening to me because I'm too new in that language. But I was saying, you know, I had a meltdown. You know, I was really worked up. I just came in. I threw myself, wanted to throw myself on the floor in the form of a cross and, 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 and cry in agony to so God. And as I, at the end of that uh, dialogue, I was speaking to somebody and I heard the word chemicalization. And in Christian Science, that's the word they use to to let you understand uh, the torment of the symptoms you think you're going through that might kill you are actually just the chemicalization that's bringing up error uh, to dissolve it. So healings one way or the other can occur. I'm getting mental healings, you know. I I, I did have a physical healing, but the biggest thing is your thinking, the stinking thinking starts to dissolve. So I'm just blown away, and I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit drug me back here. I thought I was doing something wrong, but these things work together. Together. These teachings work together for the good of God, the Bible, A Course of Miracles, Christian Science, and, and Dr. Horror's works. So I'm so grateful to be back. And I'm going to say, Lori, you know, I thought about you so much. And I mentioned to Lemoyne yesterday that one time you were so present with me that I acknowledged you. And said, Lori, I feel like you are with me. So let me tell you, your prayers are powerful. So And your thoughts are beautiful and holy. Because I I really can't entertain any other kind of thought too too, too long. So thank you. And you all all are blessing me with the light you're walking in. Thank you. I pass. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jonathan.
1: Isn't it a marvel that we are gifts to each other? I I just can't can't stop thinking how wonderful it is. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Uh, We've missed you. I missed you. I'm glad you're back. Uh, this is Donna. You know, I don't come back and say thank you. It's not because I don't appreciate what everyone says, but I didn't do this. <laughs> I'm not responsible for this. This is God. I, I pass on complete. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Thanks, Donna.
0: well, this is Lemoyne, and uh <clears throat> i had this guidance to talk about something else. I'm not sure where it's actually where it's gonna go or where it really should go, but you know, this is this thing that, uh, you know, corrective learning in 67. And, uh, where corrective learning begins with the awakening of the spiritual eye and turning away from the belief in physical sight. And so, you know, and that's this thing of the news which is like images it's just images on a screen and you know you can turn it off but it can arouse great discomfort right and you know I think the thing to understand uh, perhaps maybe that the discomfort might not be the spiritual eye. Might be a lack of the spiritual eye. But, you know, if the spiritual eye looks on the news and and you with you know, you look on the news and call upon a greater vision and the discomfort <coughs> doesn't just go away. Not able to just see right through it to uh because of the, perhaps because of the extremity of the example of uh, one-sidedness and specialness and violence or what have you, that the discomfort there that is likely very adjacent to, I mean, it's not likely, that discomfort is adjacent to what needs to be corrected right and the correction is within that the news uh, or some one per, uh, some other person in our lives some thing they say that triggers us that that, that what is produced there as a, <clears throat> as a need for defense uh you know Discomfort and the urge to reject, uh, separate, or defend—that um, the discomfort is not not what needs to be corrected, but p- trying to show what needs to be corrected, and that the an- answer, you know, the answer is always some form of peace, and the only responsibility is to accept the atonement for myself in that situation. And, you know, if I look at something and say, well, I, and try and say, well, I could see peace instead of this, but I'm not able to, and it's just bothersome, then, you know, it's, a, it's an example of a need for correction within myself. To what I see you know it's like it's a lifetime spent trying to solve all the world's problems it's I thought well this is at some points this is just crazy I can't do it over here that's me and the, the whole world has its own momentum but <clears throat> you know there's this thing that the seeing engendered by a world based on fear and separation Um, it might be trying to tell us we're alone but we're not alone and experiencing the effects of seeing that way right And, and what needs to be corrected is always first within so that I might actually then be able to bring peace where so clearly it's missing and that that is the way in which each of us literally can solve all the world's problems, but you know, it has to be done through the complete acceptance. Not to say I've accomplished this in every example, but it, the, the the method prescribed here and it does have great benefit that the method is to accept the atonement for myself and then I can begin to see things differently. You know, immediately I could perhaps see that it triggers me because I've done that whatever, both sides of it probably, whatever it is and that I can recognize that the driving thoughts are the error, and that the one real key here is, um, I'm not sure I can find it, um, but it is the statement that the... Uh, the miscreations are not real they're not they cannot be eternal because they always involve some form of separation or destruction and that cannot be eternal so you know our mind errors are always a detour the detour into fear is the detour into illusion and, you know, what I believe affects me is based on my belief. And if I can withdraw belief, then my being can just be. And then I have access to the peace. And uh have the potential to be creative, have a creative response to... Situations that are locked in a pattern of response, response, re- reaction, 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 based on uh, what I like to call turning the wheel of karma. Anyway, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> I'm complete there. And. Uh,
1: very much so, Lemoyne. Thank you very much.
0: Love it when uh, thank thank you share. Thank you, Lemoyne. Very cool. Yeah, I guess the I guess the upshot that that I can I can take from that is to recognize when I believe something, yeah, I believe it. But <laughs> you know, belief belief is a choice it's just a choice in where I place my faith and uh, it's best not to make it too contingent on externals (laughs) because then it then it's always going to be a risk and have the potential to just be a belief and cause for fear well and there is no cause for fear and judgment here and now. <laughs> um, well, I'm complete. It, it was, uh, does anyone else have a share they'd like to offer before we close the recording?
5: Yeah, this is Sandra and <clears throat> Lemoyne. I so appreciated what you just said. Um And I am not alone in experiencing the effects of my seeing. And I'm not alone because I have my Holy Spirit, which is really my true self. And so I can always take the effects of my seeing if it's not bringing me peace and turn it over to my true self, my Holy Spirit, and trust in that. Trust in that awareness that is present always with me. It never, I never separated from that part of myself ever. It may feel like I did, but it's always there. It's always present. I have access to it. And so, um, in the in paragraph two, today's idea does not refer to what. You see as much as how you see it. So if I can see something and immediately the how is turn it over (laughs) to my Holy Spirit, to my true self, and and sit with it and trust and let it, if there's emotional reactions or responses, then just let them pass through because they're guides, they're showing me where in my subconscious mind I need to heal. And so I'm not alone in this, and we're all connected. So when I heal my subconscious mind, I'm healing it for you as well, because we're all in this together. I'm complete.
1: Boy, that's just absolutely true, Sandra. Thank you. Yeah, Sandra. Thank
3: you. you. Yeah, Sandra. the guides are showing me where I need to heal. That powerful statement. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Yeah, I think just... I
4: have a little... Just, I learned in... And a how take the word how and remember honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. How am I seeing this? How am I listening or hearing? Hearing this, and um, you know that was a lovely share, Lemoyne. The, um, you know it brought to mind the um, you know that the truth doesn't need any defense; it just needs to be affirmed and um recognized acknowledged that um the thought of, of war, a war being a war to end all wars is just such a contradiction in terms and um you know it it it's just insane <laughs> um that's all thank you
1: thanks Judy
0: Yeah, Judy. I, I mean, the the war itself won't do it unless it gets rid of everyone, which is not the not the point here. But the 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 point would be that you know, a war could do that if it everyone just said it got this, some kind of thing like no one in their right mind wants war. And then they started choosing more towards what would be the right mind that doesn't go there, and you know. Um, but yeah, it's not the <laughs> it's not a required learning device. I agree. It is it is this thing of trying to learn by doing everything wrong and then maybe giving up and trying what might work. <laughs>
1: I've done that.
4: (laughs) It's it's really like what you were sharing, Lori, about your your beloved retiring and, um, you know, recognizing her sadness and recognizing that um, it's really just egoic thinking for me to think that I need to fix or change that. It just needs to be lovingly accepted. It's exactly what is happening and needs to happen right here and right now. And um, I was thinking about um, Cervantes' Don Quixote, the book Don Quixote, where you know he's chasing windmills on his horse with this great big saber, and um, one of you know that he's the hero in the story, and he's going to vanquish this monster of a of a windmill and um, just how that's sort of a funny analogy for what we're discussing today thank you I'm complete
1: call me Don.
4: <laughs> oh you're my hero Lori <laughs> one of my mighty companions All of you guys are. Thank you.
3: This is Donna. That reminds me, my friend Linda, whom God brought us together so we can make uh, our individual journeys together, Uh, way back when, we met in 71. and or 70 in New York, and for 24 years and one month, we walked together. But early on, she bought one of those uh, Don Quixote things. You know, he's on his horse. I still got part of it. The bottom part broke, but he's on his horse. Now, you know, certain things, we, legs broke off and everything. But it's so interesting because it played the impossible dream. You know, it was a music box. And I can only begin to understand. I never understood why she, she got that for me. But that's how she saw me, you know, as chasing, uh, chasing this uncatchable dream as I was rolling around uh, as a tumbleweed with fear that she was actually seeing my future of finding that impossible dream. What a beautiful thing that God gave me, that beautiful soul to walk with. So thanks for bringing that up to you. That just gives me joy. I pass. Oh, how beautiful.
1: Brings a tear to my eye. Thank you, Donna.
4: Well, all, all that you shared, Lori, about being a learner, I, that was really coming on strong to me yesterday. And practicing yesterday's lesson, that um, um, chapter about being a happy learner and how God's given us the means. And um, like Sandra was sharing, you know, that I've got the means always. That God goes with me wherever I go. His voice and His wisdom in Christ loving-kindness goes with me wherever I go, and all I have to do is be honest, uh, that honest, open-minded, and willing to um, acknowledge and recognize and claim the truth of who I am as being a part of that and that in this form, Judy is equal to everybody else, that she isn't a teacher or a learner. We're all just one in it together, and the um, owning and claiming and acknowledging that um helps to keep me still and um listening and just looking and not trying to think about things and figure things out or try to understand things, but simply to be with them in a in a tender hearted and an open minded kind of way um and then the Holy Spirit automatically directs me you know that whole whole um you know, listen so that I can learn and do or listen and hear. Um and then, you know, comes what comes to mind for me is what you say, Lori, that, you know, I, I hear that capital voice and and I speak it like it's my own and um that's the beautiful intimacy of having a, a real holy relationship, you know, within holy encounters. Um Mono on mono with individual people, or um, just with everything in general in the one holy relationship that I have in my totality with god and and seeing like I experienced this morning um, that i don 't see anything alone that you know the eyes that i 'm looking through are god 's eyes, and that everything that 's looking back at me is looking through god 's eyes too, and that 's just. Uh, a most beautiful thought to me. (laughs) Thank you. I'm complete.
3: Hi. This is Diana. I think I I was in my meditation. I I write two-way prayers to God in the morning and I think uh, I really love the whole lesson today because it just re-reminds me um, when, I'm, when I'm noticing a fear to let it come out, to let it come up and let it come out. I am not the anger or sadness that I feel. When I honor and release and give it back to God, then I am in a, in a position where miracles are happening. The miracle is now. And it's not, you know, in a matter of my time. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready to do this now. To, to forgive sometime, and let go of the grievance, whatever it is, may seem to be a sacrifice. And maybe you just want to hold on to that a little bit longer. But when you give up the ego mind and return it back to God, the miracle consciousness takes over you know when I can accept God's word and love why not right now and today it's it's a choice it's a choice I'm complete well,
0: thank hey, you Diana. Diana I think it, uh, I'll end the recording on that <laughs> but not the call so we will go on And uh, thank everybody who's been here listening, sharing, and uh, on we go.